Hello, everyone, and welcome to Prayer Stop on the Air. This is your host, Chaplain Coy, and I'm delighted to be here today, and thank you for joining in with us. I know your time is valuable. As a reminder, Prayer Stop on the Air is paid for by Scott Coy Prophetic Ministries and our sponsors. So thanks for being with us today, and jump right into it. We were have been talking about the patriarchs, and uh, currently we're on Jacob and Esau, but, well, Jacob and Esau were last week. But looking at their lives to see how we can relate to the what they've gone through and understand a little bit better that you know what things matter in our life. But let me give you a quick recap of last week's sermon. And if you want to hear uh, what I talked about the previous two or three weeks on this continuing series, is just go to chaplaincoy.com and right there on the front of the page has the radio programs listed. And also stop by and read some of my devotionals. I put them out. You know, I run a very uh, hectic schedule. Uh, it's like I burn the candle from can till can't sometimes. So when I have time, I put out a devotional. I love to write them, but uh, time is just such a precious commodity, it seems like. But uh, again, stop by chaplaincoy.com and uh Give us a thumbs up, or I don't think it has a thumbs up option, but if you want to drop us an email, or if you need prayer, um, I have it set up so that the prayer request comes straight to me, and I will pray for you in confidence, and we'll believe God in a miracle gets you through your situation. But this is the Chicago program, so I'm blessed to be here, and thank you, everyone. And let me give you a quick recap of last week. Uh, we talked about the birth of Esau and Jacob, and his twin. They were the twin sons of Isaac and Rebekah. Now, as the historical account goes, Rebekah was unable to have a child. She couldn't conceive, and she started kind of getting on uh, Isaac about it. And Isaac was like, "Well, you know, he." It says he got angered because um, she was pressuring him about having a child. There's not a whole lot he could do about it. And so he went and prayed to God on her behalf, and God heard his prayer and gave her a child. And it's kind of funny how it was similar with Abraham and Sarah, you know, the barrenness of Sarah for years, and then having the child that Abraham was 100 years old. But something, just a similarity there. But he did intercede for his wife. She became pregnant. And then... There were two, uh, the pain in her stomach, the two babies were like fighting in her womb. And it got to the point where she exclaimed, I can't take this anymore. And she went and asked the Lord what was going on. And he told her that uh, there were two, he revealed to her that she had twins in her womb. And that uh, they would each be a a nation, but they would be rival nations, and the older son would serve the younger. So Rebecca gave birth to the twins of Esau and Jacob. Now Esau, Esau was the firstborn, and he was red and hairy. And Jacob was born, and when he was born, he was holding Esau's heel, and hence his name meant heel grabber. And the secondary meaning, meaning to Jacob is supplanter. Now you'll see how that comes to play later, but. The sermon emphasized, you know, the tension between the two brothers who had very different personalities. Esau was a hunter of the fields, an outdoorsman type. Jacob loved him more. 
uh, and I mean, uh, Isaac loved him more than he did Jacob, and Rebecca loved Jacob more than uh, she loved Esau because Jacob was a home dweller. He was just a homebody. He liked to be at the tent. So, well, Esau would be a man that would like to be out in construction work and things like that. Uh, Jacob would be your guy that wants to do office work, wants to be the computer guy. And uh, that's just kind of how it went. But one day, uh, as the story goes, Esau was out hunting. He was extremely hungry. He came in. Jacob was cooking a bowl of lentils or stew, red lentils. And Esau said, man, I'm so hungry. Give me a bowl of your stew. And Jacob's like, um, tell me your birthright. And Esau's like, what good's a birthright to somebody who's about to faint from hunger or die from hunger? And nobody's, you know, after one day of eating, not eating, Esau was probably would feel okay. But so, you know, Jacob really wanted that birthright. So he said, well, I'll sell you the soup for your birthright and or the stew. And Isaac sold it to him. And now that was a legal deal. You know, I mean, I'm so sorry. It was Esau sold it to him. And that was a legal trade. And Esau thought nothing of it because nobody saw but God saw. And it says that Esau despised his birthright. And then later on in the New Testament, it says how Esau sought repentance and he cried and wailed. But there was no repentance granted. God didn't give him back just because he was sorry 40 years later. Well, it wasn't 40 years, probably 20 years later. And um, he sought repentance, but it didn't happen. The part of that is you have to remember that when you're a Christian, uh, you can you can get off the devil can get you off into sin that will cost you far more than you want to pay. And uh, I don't know per se. Everybody says they know what the unpardonable sin is. I've really never figured that out. Um, and then there's people that will say it's well rejection of Jesus Christ. Well. It's that rejection of Jesus Christ. You, you're a born-again Christian and you go out and commit a sin knowingly that it's a sin. Well, is that unpardonable? Because you rejected Christ when you made a conscious decision to sin. But ne never mind that. But the point of that whole thing is there can come a point where you can make a sin in your life that there won't be repentance for it. It won't be granted. Now, <clears throat> There just comes a time when God deals with people. And he's the one that caused death. No one else has the authority over death but God. And uh, you can, now the enemy can trick people into not living cautious lives and lose their life prematurely. Or you can make a choice to smoke cigarettes and there's so many other vices that could do it to you. But that gives the enemy the right to go before the courts of heaven and say, this guy has crossed this boundary. And God sets the date when people die. He has control over your next heartbeat. And don't think he uh, needs the devil to go do his uh, dirty work. God, I don't even want to say dirty work, but, you know, God wiped the whole world out with the flood. Everybody thinks it's all grace message. Grace, it's, it's all okay, but it's not. Sin matters. And it matters against you. But the whole thing we get out of this story with Esau selling his birthright is be faithful in the small things. And God will reward you with the big things. 
And a story that really relates to that, let me tell you about uh, St. Patrick. You know, he's a a patron saint, I guess, of the Catholic Church, but he wasn't Catholic back then because the Catholic Church didn't exist in the 5th B.C. or uh, 500 B.C. They don't really know his uh, time frame, but St. Patrick, when he was 16 years old, he was, uh, let me see, I think he was from uh, the coast of England somewhere, and uh, the Irish slave traders or some brutal men captured him and took him into slavery in Ireland, and he spent six years in slavery over there, and uh, it was brutal. Uh, He nearly starved to death. He uh, was made a shepherd over the sheep, and during that time, he prayed, and that's where he actually accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And I believe at that time when he accepted the Lord is when he heard the voice of God speak to him, I've prepared a ship for you, or you shall soon go home. I've prepared a ship for you. It's awaiting you in the harbor. So he escapes from the sheep herding, makes his way all the way to the harbor. And I don't know how far it was, but it wasn't like a couple of miles. It was quite a journey. And he also had to go around the booby traps of, pits and uh, snares, whatever they had set up for escaping slaves. And he made it through all the obstacles, gets down to the port. And mind you, if he would have got caught as hard as they were to him when he was doing stuff okay, I mean, being a good worker, imagine what they would have done to an escaping slave. So they were brutal. And um, he makes it down and here's the ship in the harbor. And the guys are standing on the beach. It's the men standing on the beach. And one of them happens to be like the captain of the ship, I guess. And so he goes up and asks them if they're going to England. And they're like, yes. And he asks if he can make passage with them. And I don't know. I would assume he offered to work uh, on on the ship for passage. And the captain was like, that's fine. But before you can board the ship, you have to make a vow to our God. And we can't understand that in our day and age, but I'm thinking that what the captain and the crew was thinking was, we don't want somebody coming on our ship that's going to curse the voyage, so they'll have to make a prayer and a vow to to their God. And so imagine being in slavery for six years and brutally treated, and here's your free ride home. And you get put with this little... uh, you know, what do you want to call it, sidebar? One little condition you have to get on the boat, you have to make a vow to our God. Well, nobody would have seen it except the the pagan boat crew who could have cared less, and then uh, God. Well, St. Patrick looked at him and said, I can't do that. And they're like, well, you can't board. And so he turned around and started walking off, and then the, when he got down the beach a ways, the captain said, Hey, come on back. We'll let you go. You don't have to make the vow. But imagine the amount of integrity that took. You're not looking at just um, not getting to go back home. You're looking at going back and getting severely beaten and tortured. Where have you been for a couple days, you know? And uh, it's, he, I mean, his heart must have sunk, you know? And but he didn't make that. Uh, he wouldn't. He didn't make that mistake, and it was a small thing that no one would have noticed, but God would have noticed. And if you want to be used of God, it's those little things like that. 
and that's not little nowadays because we know better but back then it wasn't that you have to be faithful in the small stuff and when you're faithful in the little things god will reward you with the big things well and that let's get back to part two where we never actually got on it but started with it yet but after receiving the blessing jacob fled to his mother's home country of haran and to escape esau's wrath now esau he he must have told some of the workers he was going to kill jacob after isaac died and his mother got word of that so uh she sent wanted to send jacob and made up the excuse that she was sending him to her brother laban to find a wife because she couldn't handle the woman that Esau married. And this family, if you notice and read through it, there's a lot of eavesdropping going on because Esau overhears that they're fed up with his wives because he didn't marry one from their uh, tribe. And uh, now they overhear that Esau's going to kill Jacob, so Jacob gets sent on his way. But now... Esau is going to take that blessing by force, and that's not how it works with God, you know. Uh, again, Esau wasn't considering the fact that he legally sold his birthright. He despised it. It's a condition of the heart, and that's what God looks at as your heart. And the w one thing I can say, if you're having heart issues like that, read your Bible. You know, that's where you start getting to where you'll have forgiveness for people that have done you wrong. And really not holding grudges. There's nothing you can do about them anyway. Just pray for them and let God deal with them. And our deal with you more than likely. But Jacob flees. And he's on his way to meet Laban. And he stops and he takes a break. And it's getting nightfall. So he has nowhere to go. So he sets some uh, rocks down on the ground. And he uses the rocks for a pillow. Now this is... Jacob is a tough dude. He may have lived in a tent, but when you can sleep on the ground and have rocks for your pillows, it, you know, that's next level type stuff. So while he's laying there, Jacob has this dream and he sees the kingdom of, he sees a ladder, actually a staircase open up to heaven and he sees God at the top of it and everything. It's really a magnificent dream. But I'm going to read the whole um, Genesis 28, the whole account to you. So let's begin in uh, Genesis 28:10. And Jacob went out from Beersheba, and uh, we'll come back to some of the names for the meanings as we go. So if you can pay attention to that a little bit, it would help me out. And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went to Haran, and he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took of the stones of that place and he put them on him for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father, and the God of Isaac. The land wherein thou liest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall thy families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee, and I will keep thee in all places whither thou goest, and will bring thee again into the life of, into, I'm sorry, into this land 
for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken unto thee. And Jacob awaked out of his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in his place, and I knew it not. And then he was afraid, and said, How dreadful is this place! This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose up early in the morning, and took the stone that he had put for his pillows, and set it up for a pillar, and poured oil upon the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that city was called Luz at the first. And Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go, <clears throat> and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. Praise God. What a powerful testimony. You have to realize what Jacob has just given up. It, the promise of the Messiah coming through his family, through his genealogy, was more important to him than all the wealth that he left behind with Isaac and Rebekah that Esau later had. And we see that when they hook up again, Esau comes with an army of 400 men to meet Jacob. So they had some servants. They had some wealth and power. And now here's Jacob is treading to Laban's with nothing. And he realizes, when can he come back? You know, because when Isaac dies, that's when Esau plans on killing him. So he's realized by now that this decision's been made. He's on his way with nothing, but the birthright and the promise of God was more important than any of that. And God saw that. And he didn't just happen to walk into Bethel. He landed there because God directed him there. A lot of times God will be dealing with you in your life, especially if you're not a Christian. You'll be hearing like this program or you'll see things that remind you of the Lord and it'll be constant. Well, there's seasons in the life if you're an unsaved person where Jesus comes to you. He visits everyone probably two or three times in their life just from testimonies I've heard from, from people. Marion Baxter is very good if you get a chance to go on YouTube and look up Marion Baxter and her trips to hell. The, there was one account where there was a lady burning in hell and uh, she said she had waited another day and she thought she could serve Jesus tomorrow and she didn't. And the Lord looked at her and he said, I came to her three times in her life personally. He said, I personally came to her three times in her life and asked her to serve me. And she wanted to, but in her heart, she always said, I'll start tomorrow. And <clears throat> it was really sad because tomorrow never came for her. And you don't have that promise either. I don't have that promise. And if tomorrow doesn't come for me, Praise God, I'm out of here. Thank you, Jesus. You know, um, I've died before and it wasn't bad as a Christian. Oh, death, where's thy sting? You know, it's not there. Living is the hard part sometimes. And we do that for the sake and the glory of God and for others. And I never wanted to look at Jesus Christ and say, Lord, I didn't do anything for you on this earth. How can you, how can you face Jesus Christ and, and have nothing to show for him? after what he's done for you. And it's just ingratitude. If you can lead 
you know, how many people you may have lead to the Lord. We don't know. But if you lead one, lead one person in your life to Jesus Christ, you saved somebody from damnation and covered a multitude of sins. So, I don't know where I got off on all that, but praise God, someone needed to hear it. And some of the name definitions, uh, well, some of the name definitions are like uh, Beersheba. Uh, she came from out of, or it means from out of, or a well of an oath. And then Haran is, uh, means to glow or to incite passion. Ladder was a staircase going to heaven. And uh, angel is from an unused root meaning to dispatch as a deputy, a messenger. So these angels going up and down were messengers. They were ambassadors for the Lord carrying out his will. Lord is in all caps. When it's in all caps in your Bible, it uh, means Jehovah, the self-existent and eternal one. He was afraid. That means he had reverence for God, deep reverence. The gate is an opening or a portal. So where he was at was actually a portal to heaven. And Bethel means the house of God. So whenever you see a church named, named Bethel, what a great name for a church. House of God. And Luz was the type of nut tree that grew in that area. That's what it was called before James, uh, Jacob changed it. And the vow is a promise to God. And where he said, I am God, G-O-D in all caps. In Hebrew, that's Elohim. It's the supreme God, the mighty creator. There's no other besides God. There's nothing's going to get you into heaven. And if you're into these occult practices, please realize Satanism and Luciferianism is growing exponentially in the United States. And I'm sorry to see that. Uh, the occult does not offer you anything. It's intriguing. It's enticing. And you have to realize it's also deceiving. You've been deceived if you've gotten into the occult like that. And these secret organizations, man, I get secret handshakes. I don't know how many times over the years. Um, one of my sons taught me all this stuff. And uh, we, one of them is they fold their pinky. And I guess that's for the Masons. And if you're in that group, you need to get out. You need to get out and save yourself. Because when you get to 33rd degree, you'll find out you've been served. It's Lucifer. It's all a secret till you reach 33rd degree. And then it's more of a secret. And I don't have time to get in all that. There's no benefit eternally to being in the Masons. They'll make sure you do well in life here. But what good does it do you to lose your soul and go to the pits of hell? And yes, I'm saying it. If you're a Mason and you're not, ser you're not serving Jesus Christ, your chances of getting to heaven... Are pretty slim and you've you've been deceived now um, uh, Abraham means the father of many nations and Isaac means laughter well we're getting close to the end of the time but we'll take up next week and start off at vows and uh, carry on from there if you're ever in Murfreesboro Tennessee I want you to know we do a church in our home it's called the home church everyone's welcome to come and it starts at, it's at 7 o'clock on Thursday night. And the Lord told me to, uh, uh, he told me I'm going to institute you. And I got a little scared because I was like, well, you know, you're thinking institutionalized. But I ran and got my dictionary or my phone and looked it up. And it said, uh, to appoint to clergy and to the minister as a pastor. And so I said, okay. So I started applying for another pastorate job. 
and wasn't getting any uh, feedback. And then, so he let me know, you, I want you to start a church in your home. So I named it the Home Church, and if you go to our website, chaplaincoy.com, it's there. And the irony is now that I stopped applying, I'm getting all these requests to apply for Pastor Charles. And that's about how that works. It's kind of funny. But I started my home church, and uh, bless God, you're welcome to come. And we do a lot of other ministry, but I, I wasn't pastoring anywhere for the last several years. But um, Prayer Stop on the Air is honored to be sponsored in part by Swanson Christian Products, a fourth-generation family-owned company whose mission is to develop products of eternal value that point people to God in their daily lives. Partner with us in spreading God's word. You can purchase Swanson Christian products at your local Christian stores or Christian bookstores or go to swansondirect.com and there you can find Christian products such as apparel, Bible covers, Christian board games, and coffee mugs. For pastors, you can get all your communion supplies and anything that sports God's word. Please help our program by visiting our website at chaplaincoy.com and click on the link Swanson Direct. Yes, and thank you. We appreciate it if you support uh, Swanson products. If you ever go into a Christian bookstore and the price tag has a yellow swan on it, um, please pick it up. They're wonderful people. I know the Swanson family. They're a very good-sized company. It's worldwide. And they've done so much in the Christian ministry. And I believe at one point, well, they've sent a lot of Bibles to foreign countries. And uh, they just... the they just believe in serving the Lord, and we're so honored to have them there and with us. But if you get a chance and you can visit us at uh, www.chaplaincoy.com, please stop by and uh, send us a touch base and let us know you were at the website. We don't sell your information. We don't push anybody for money. We don't. If you sign up for our devotions, we don't kill you with devotionals. Uh, Sometimes I'll do them in a, one a week, and sometimes I do one a month, or sometimes six weeks. I have a very hectic schedule. I burn the candle from can till can, and to get through it all. But I want to thank you all for being with us today. Again, please visit us at chaplaincore.com and leave us your thoughts. Bless you all. Be blessed.